Hi, welcome to our study of pattern found in God's Word. Today I want to talk about profile, personality profiling, and I'm going to pull it out of the Gospel. So it's going to be something different. So, to begin, we see that the Greeks in 300 BC understood that human beings had four temperaments, or what we call four humors. They named them sanguine, optimistic, choleric, bad-tempered, melancholic, analytical, phlegmatic, relaxed. That's how they saw people, and people would have a blend of these different humors in their system. The Greeks took it into medicine, and that's where they messed up. In 1928, William Moulton Marston, understanding what the Greeks were talking about, published a book called Emotions of Normal People, and he elaborated on what he called the disc theory, replacing those four humors of the, of the Greeks with D, I, S, and C. In 1993, Dr. Robert Rome published Positive Personality Profiles, and he expands on it even more. Dr. Rome takes it to a new level. So I've studied under Dr. Dr. Rome through his system of, of uh, teachings, and this is what I'd like to share with you concerning personality profiling. He simply teaches, just simply draw a line. You put people on the top, task on the bottom. Which are you? More likely to deal with people, more likely to deal with task. Draw another line down the middle, and you have outgoing, and you have reserve. Then you put the disc in. The dominant D personality types are task-oriented and very outgoing. This is about 10% of the population that are solid D, and these are the guys that like to get into the military, get into the police. They like to take control. They like to tell people what to do. The I personality, the inspiring, are still outgoing, but they're more people-oriented. This is your politicians. This is your actors. They like to get into the limelight. They like to share with other people. This is about 25% of the population. S is those kinds of people that are reserved, but still interested in helping others. That's why we call them serving, S personality types. 45% of your population. These are people that like to help other people. Nurses, teachers, grandma, Thanksgiving. She's, all she's concerned with is, are you having a good time? That's the S personality. C, calculating. This is your professors, your doctors, your scientists. These are the guys that like to go into a corner, big chair, and have all those big technical books, no pictures. You know those guys. And they just love to read that material because they're great thinkers. That is the four personality types that we see. You can throw on here the, 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 what the Greeks had, choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, and then melancholy, and it fits very nicely. With, so we see the Greeks understood it in 300 BC, and then we understand it today in the 21st century. Genesis says, let us make man in our image. So God's the one that created us with those four personality types. When Jesus comes along in Mark chapter 12, verse 30-31, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So Jesus already understands what we're made of, and he's telling us we've got to give God 100%, not just a small percentage. Okay? So I'm going to take out the, um, the, the Greek situation and just add some different words in here. Sensations. Your heart is your emotional center. This is where your sensations come from. Your soul is your imagination center. Your cognition, your mind is your cognition, your thinking. And then your strength is your decision. God's trying to, to teach us how to think fully. Because when you get tested by the personality profile, 
I'm, I'm, I'm a strong S with a little bit of I, a little bit of D, or I'm a strong C with a little bit of this. God wants us to think on all four quadrants. We have all four parts. I just am stronger in this one and weaker in this one. And I need to make the, the statement that no quadrant is better than the other. These are just our quadrants. So how do I think? Well, the first thing you do when you go shopping is you're going to fall in love with something, right? This big, incredible picture of the ocean. And you're going to make the decision. You're going to buy it. Then you're going to take it home. But that's not how you need to decide. Yes, you need to fall in love with it. And yes, you want to buy that picture. But you've got to go to your imagination. And you've got to say to your imagination, do we want it? The imagination says, this is an incredible picture. But guess what? It's not going in the living room. It ain't going to work. And the dining room, uh-uh. The only place for this picture is in the basement. Where? On the ceiling. That's the only space we got in the house. So your imagination is saying no. Oh, well, let's go to my cognition, my mind, and ask my mind, can we buy this picture? And he's going to say, well, you know, I kind of go with the soul. I mean, I really like the picture, but how much does it cost? 450 bucks? Well, we need to eat this month. And if we're going to buy this picture, we can't afford it. Okay, let's go to the decision, the strength. Who says, heart loves it, soul thinks it's cute, but it's going up in the basement on the ceiling, and cognition says, we can't afford it. Decision time, ah, we're not going to do this. Okay, you want to be a Christian. The sermon was incredible. Your heart, you're just crying with tears. Let's go for it and get baptized and become a Christian. But everything starts to fall apart in my life. And what am I doing? Walking away from God. Why? Because when I decided to become a Christian, I didn't visit my soul, my imagination. Can you imagine that I'm going to die, and I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to a new creation, and all of this is going to disappear? Can I let everything physical go at this present time? Because if you can't let it go, you can't become a Christian. Because you're going to be dependent upon your possessions. I've got to visit my sea. My C says, this is the word of God, and God tells me things I need to do, not to control me, but to say, if you follow what I'm telling you to do, you're going to live a good life. No, you're not going to get rich. You're going to live the best life with the body you've got in the country that you live in with the kind of money that this country has, right? We're not all going to be rich because we become Christians, but I need to think this stuff through. So now that I visited my heart, I'm in love with God. My imagination says we can let go of physical things. My cognition says, yes, this is the word of God. We need to obey it. Take it to the decision. Now you can become a Christian. If I'm not using all four, I'm going to find myself in trouble when I go to become a Christian. In Ezekiel, he writes Ezekiel, 550 BC, 200 years before the Greeks. He has, four, he has four living creatures coming down. And on all four living creatures, there's four faces. The face of a bull, the eagle, man, and a lion. Then we jump to Revelation, and we have four living creatures. And on each of the four living creatures, one looks like a calf, one's like an eagle, one's a man, one's a lion. Well, why does it go to a calf from a bull? Because in the Old Testament, the Jews had stubborn hearts. And in Ezekiel, he says, when you, the New Testament comes in the future, God's going to give us a new heart. So it's no longer a bull, and now it's a calf. And so now let's put these four on top of what we already have. So the heart would be the calf, which is our emotions, our heart. The soul is the eagle, because the eagle soars and has the vision for our imagination. 
Obviously, man's going to be the cognition, because man's the only animal with intelligence, leaving the lion to represent our decision. So we're seeing it in Ezekiel, 500 BC, 200 years before the Greeks, and we're, we're, we're seeing it in Jesus' time. So we see that God already understands all four parts of, of our bodies. Now we have the Gospels, four Gospels. A lot of people will say, well, it's written to the Greeks, written to the Romans, written to... How about if they were written to Matthew, being the longest of the Gospels, written to my emotional center, appealing to my heart, my sensations? And Matthew, when you look at it right at the end, when he, when he gives us the gospel plan of salvation, when he, not the gospel plan, when he gives us the, the great commission, what's he saying to the S personality? Go make disciples of all the nations. S is love to serve. S is love to reach out and touch the lives of other people. He's so pulling on them. Because now when you get into Christianity, you can help other people. What about the soul? Well, that's John. It's all about imagination. I am, you know. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. I am the true vine. Beautiful, incredible pictures. And when it comes to the Great Commission, at the end of John, what does he say? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Take care of my lambs. That's what he says to Peter in John chapter 21. He's painting pictures that the soul can see and that the soul can accomplish. Luke is down here with cognition. Luke has more detail than anybody else. And when you get to, down to Luke with the Great Commission, he doesn't give us one. Because these guys like so much information, Luke goes off and writes another book. It's called Acts. So with Luke, he gives us the 33 years, all of Jesus' life. And with the book of Acts, he gives us 33 years of the early church. And in Acts, it's, you know, it's Acts chapter 238. Repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pretty simple, right? And he gives us 10 examples of baptism in the, in, in the book of Acts for Luke for these mindsets. And then finally is Mark. Mark is the decision. He's the shortest gospel, and he's hard-hitting, fast, to the point. Because a D personality, bottom line, just tell me what I need to do. Okay, great commission. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who doesn't believe, condemned. There you go. Bottom line, flat out. All four gospels written to the personality types. So if I'm an S personality, I really truly understand Mar uh, Matthew. But if I don't have much D in me, I want to study Mark because I want to pick up my D. I want to pick up my I. You see, when you take personality profiling, they can tell you what your strengths are and your weaknesses. But when you come to the scriptures, God's going to be able to tell you how to develop these things. Okay, just finish this off really quickly. Here are some outlines of all four Gospels. The interesting part is, you're going to see there's an intro with, the, with Matthew who's writing to the heart, the S personality. But he's writing to the heart, the soul, the mind, the strength. Five chapters of his Jesus last week, and then the last three chapters, trial, crucifixion, resurrection. When you look at John, again, heart, soul, mind, strength. And then the last five, he's got five chapters here for Jesus last night, and then finishes it with trial, crucifixion, resurrection. And then throws in the uh, Great Commission. With Luke, here's that big introduction, Jesus' early life, then he's going. See, heart is three, three, faith, hope, love, faith, hope, love, heart, soul, mind, strength, the last, and then he's got five chapters, and this is his last week, and then trial, crucifixion, resurrection. And finish it with Mark, heart, soul, mind, strength, apathy, trial, crucifixion, resurrection.
bit of a pattern showing up. I think there's a bit of a pattern. If you look at this, I know it looks really complicated on the big screen. Download this, print this, and, and really see Matthew is the heart, John's the soul, Luke's the mind, Mark's the strength. And the pattern is, as, as you break these down, we're, what we're really trying to see is that God's trying to get us to think like he thinks. Visit the heart, the soul, the mind, and then make a decision. He, his ways are not our ways. And that's what we need to see. So we need to drop our ways and learn to adopt his ways and to see that he's trying to make us as best as he possibly can. The Gospels are help us to, to give us the ability to think like God thinks. And that's what I think.